Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. We are going to open up God's Word and I love God's Word. I find it the richest resource that God has given us to do life really, really well. And it reminds me sometimes of that that famous Tim Tam ad. Do you remember the ad where it became a magical Tim Tam packet and as soon as they took the last one, it filled back up again? And not that God's Word should ever be put in the same category as Tim Tams. But it feels a little bit like the resource that just never runs dry, the resource that is good in every single season. I mean, come on church, we've been feasting off two chapters for like four months. We've been feasting off two chapters and I don't know about you, but for me, this thing is more alive than ever. This story is more alive in my heart than ever, even after hearing message after message. Because when the, when the Word of God is moving and alive and breathing in your life, it's like the fish and loaves, you know? There's bread for today if you're hungry. There's bread for today if you're hungry. And we have been looking at the story that is in the book of Haggai, and I can see myself in this picture. I can see myself in this story. I read where these people are at, and I go, oh, I can place myself in this moment where they're called and they're God's asking them to put their hand to something of great eternal value and yet they find themselves really stuck. They find themselves with tools down and and hearts of discouragement and priorities that are misplaced and they know there's this great thing that they're called to be a part of but they find themselves really stuck and I can see something of myself in this scripture and in this story. And I wanna share with you Tonight, something that God is challenging me on personally in my life. Is that okay? It's something he works on in me all the time. I feel like I should have big L plates placed right here because it feels like I never quite get there. We're never meant to get there. But God is working on me all the time about an exchange of currency. An exchange of currency. So in everyday terms, we know that currency holds value. But that value fluctuates and changes depending on location, depending on circumstance, depending on economic stability or maybe who is in power. The value of currency here on this earth fluctuates and changes because when earthly values are determined by earthly vessels... We've had a house on the market for a few weeks now and people come and go and it just amazes me how they all want different things. Some love the yard and don't care about the house. Some love the kitchen and there's not enough bedrooms. Some the bedrooms are where it's at. Everybody wants something different and so depending on what we value or even looking inward for a moment, depending on where we think our value is decided and determined, determines where we put our time and our effort and our talent and our resource. And we can get in the habit of trading in these earthly currencies. 
an earthly currency I trade in all the time is people's approval. And I will feed this beast. I will put time and resource and effort towards it because somewhere along the line, I've attached value and worth to the acceptance and the approval of others in my life. Maybe you trade in the currency of the success of your business or maybe you trade in a currency of achieving high things. Maybe you trade in the currency of life turning out a specific way. Maybe you trade in the currency of doing good works and then God will like me more or God owes me more. But whatever it is, when our value is in an earthly currency more than a heavenly currency, we're going to hit a lid, we're going to hit a limit, we're going to hit a ceiling, we're going to hit a point of frustration every day of the week. We're going to run out of passion, we're going to run out of fire, we're going to run out of resource and we're going to run out of reason. And I see this in these people as they open up with these words, it's not the right time to be building God's house. Something in the currency that they're trading in has hit a limit, has hit a frustration, has hit a point that they can't break through in their own strength anymore. I'm talking about placing a higher value upon who God is in and through our lives and connecting again to a supernatural resource that produces the kind of fruit that doesn't grow on trees. I think God is calling His church in this season to detach some of the value that we have placed on the mechanics of Christianity and connect again to the Spirit of God that's doing a new thing and building within us a new work because He's calling us to a new journey and a new season that He wants us to do well. And I didn't get much past chapter 1, verse 2, and then I felt a big Holy Spirit full stop. And it caused me to get curious and get some context around how did we land at this language the people are saying, it's not the right time to be doing God's work. How did we get here? How did we get to the point that we're now saying it's not the right time to be building the temple of the Lord? And I got my answer. When I did some reading and some research, let me give you a little bit of backstory of how we get to this point. Basically, Judah has been sieged Jerusalem is captured and this beautiful temple is destroyed. It's been looted, it's been destroyed and these people are now captive. They're sent to Babylon and they stay there captive for 70 years. 70 years. So that means the little highway kids that were captured are coming out of captivity as our over 70s connect group. There's a change in clientele. <laughs> There's a change in congregation. Would we have been able to keep passion and faith and hope and the spirit of enthusiasm alive? Where the people that were taken, you know, people would have died in exile, people would have been bored in exile that never even saw or experienced what was before. And towards the end of this 70 years, the most miraculous thing happens and God turns the heart of King Cyrus. He turns the heart and he says, you people can go and you can go back to your land and you can rebuild the temple. 
And what's fascinating about this is he doesn't just release them with their freedom, but he financially backs them. He's like, what Nebuchadnezzar stole out of your temple and brought back here, I'm giving back to you. If you go to the book of Ezra, it lists all the gold and silver that the king released them with and sent them back with so that they could start to rebuild. And so they make their journey back and the heads of the family organize a building fund offering and there's buy-in from the people. People give resource and time and finances and this thing is moving forward. And they get to the point where they lay a foundation and an altar and then They get excited and they start to recreate the ceremonies and the rituals of what they used to do. And they get the musicians in and they start to sing and and make sacrifices. And at this point, I'm remembering what it was like when we opened this building. And we were in exile in the Pimpama School of Arts Hall (laughs) with no air con, one toilet, located there for the ladies. So if you want to go to the toilet, you get to get up in front of the preacher and the whole church and go to the toilet and we'll hear you flush. A snake that lived in the building. And this place is almost ready to be occupied. And we weren't allowed to officially open, but we were allowed rehearsal services. And we couldn't wait We couldn't resist and we get the band and dad would preach and people would greet at the door and welcome them to concrete floors and, you know, doors that weren't hung and unpainted. But we didn't care. We were so excited about what God was doing in us and through us for this community. It was like, just get us in the building. We can't wait anymore. So it makes me think where these people are at, there's a buzz. Mate, miracles have happened A king lets them go, financially backs them, people are behind them, and they're laid a foundation and they're starting little services, and then all of a sudden, the work stops. And nothing happens, and the whole project lays dormant for many, many years. What happened? And the answer is in Ezra chapter 4, and it starts to make sense where it says the enemies of Judah the people around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and to frustrate the plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, the king of Persia, and then Darius, the king of Persia. And in Ezra 5, it reads this letter that they sent to the king. And they said, what are you doing? These people are known for being rebellious and making trouble for kings. You need to cease their work and cease their progress immediately until we land in verse 24 where it says, thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill. So now I'm reading Haggai and I'm looking at people that have misplaced priorities and lost their passion and they're not doing what they're meant to be doing and they know they're called to build the temple but they're building their own houses instead. And I'm getting a fresh heart for them, thinking, you know, this outworked in disobedience but the core of this was discouragement and fear. At the very root of this was discouragement and fear and there was two main sources. It was coming in from every side. 
It wasn't just the external attacks of the people that were gathering around them as they build, accusing and, and bringing attack, but it was also coming from within their own camp. It says in Ezra that when they had these rehearsal Sundays, that you couldn't tell the difference between the shouts of joy and the wailing of disappointment of the people that saw the temple in the former glory saying, it's not the same. And so here they are getting discouraged from the outside and discouragement from the inside. Is that not two of the biggest killers of hope and faith and vision even in our lives today? The storms and the accusation and the attacks that come against us, but also internally the disappointment of unmet expectations that life was not meant to look like this. And we wonder why they're saying, yeah, the timing's off. The timing's off. It shouldn't be this hard. And I read the story and I go, okay, if you're someone that trades in the currency of, of approval of others, girl, you'd have that pink hammer down quicker than you can say Nebuchadnezzar. I would have been out of there. I would have been like, guys, we have really upset the king. Like, we need to bail stat. We've upset everyone. No one wants us here. Let's just get out of the firing line. Come on, where are you in the story? What would you have done? Would you have nailed it? (laughs) Or would you have gone, oh, I thought this project was going to be like awesome and it's turned out to be a bit lame and so I'm bailing, I'm out. Were you someone that would have had unmet expectations and going, yeah, last time we used full gold hinges and this time it's just brass, it's not what I thought. I don't really want to be a part of this anymore. These people are no different to us today. The same enemy of faith and enthusiasm and hope that they faced back then, we encounter today. But God, but God sends Haggai with a word of truth, with a word of encouragement that will cut through the disappointment, cut through the disillusionment, cut through the discouragement and with one word of truth in season, the people's heart turn back to the Lord. They soften and repent and they pick up tools and they get back to the work that they were destined to do. One word of encouragement of God's truth in season unlocks their purpose once again. What was the word that he said? He said, it's time to build. He said, God is with you. He said, be strong and courageous. And he said, you watch him open the heavens over your life. Come on, church, a word of truth in season. It's time to build again. God is with you. Be strong and courageous and watch Him open the heavens over your life. And I believe He's doing the same thing in His church today. That He is sending this word in season to tear up at the root the seed of discouragement and the seed of disappointment and to remind us that the fruit He produces in our life does not lose its value, does not lose its substance with seasons and circumstance and He wants us to place higher value not on what we can construct with our own hands but what He wants to construct and transform in here. This is where the value lies. What we build with our hands will fade with time. What He builds in here has eternal value. 
What He builds in here affects a community forevermore. What He builds in here affects the generations that you're called to lead. What He builds in here has eternal value. I was at a family reunion last weekend and um, it was on my dad's side. There was 60 of us that were getting together for the first time in 18 years. And so kids had been born in that time and, and grown up and it was just the most special time ever. It was like when Poe in Kung Fu Panda finds the pandas, you know, it's like, oh, my people or my pandas. Um, it was like that. There was this commonality where you just go, oh, I so get myself more <laughs> because this is where I came from, you know. But we had the most amazing time. We sat around the fire and roasted marshmallows and played card games and board games. And my auntie Donna had the history books and the, you know, family tree and photos. And it was just an incredibly rich time. But my favourite thing was sitting down and, and hearing the stories of the siblings and the childhood that they had mainly because it's polar opposite to the childhood I have and it brought such a sense of blessing and humility to the childhood I've had when you hear what they survived through. But I'm listening to the stories and across the seven siblings, the experience really altered. And so if you talk to the younger siblings, they'll talk of an incredibly tragic childhood where life was bleak and the, the home life was broken and their mum and dad were so debilitated with alcoholism, they didn't get off the couch, they couldn't work, they couldn't provide, they couldn't look after. And they had story after story after story that just kind of makes your skin crawl, you know. But then the older siblings would pipe in and go, no, 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 it wasn't always like that. It wasn't always like that. Mum and dad were happy. We had happy days where they worked and, and dressed nice and were house proud and looked after their home. And, and we had a normal and a happy childhood and the younger siblings, were, we, we know nothing of those days. We know nothing of that environment. And I chatted to my auntie Donna later and I was like, how does that happen? How do we get such polar experiences out of the same household? Like what went wrong? And she can tell a story of, a moment where she, she felt that, that that switch flipped for her parents and this home that they loved and looked after and though they had little, they took great pride and care in it. They were tricked into a bad property decision and, and they ended up living in a shed in someone's backyard. And so their family were now on dirt floors and nothing that was properly constructed. It didn't have proper facilities. It, you know, it was, it was too cold and it was too hot and Something in my grandmother at that point, it's like the spark went out. It was like the hope died. It was like a seed of discouragement that got planted that she never had the opportunity to get healing and restoration from. And unfortunately, it grew and it festered until it changed the environment of the home so much that these kids have horrific stories of a childhood that had no life, no joy, no hope in it at all. When the seed of discouragement takes root in our heart, we need the confession of his truth. That's why I love that song tonight, I Speak Jesus, because it starts to bring restoration and healing. And before we go any further tonight, 
I just want to speak to the discouraged heart and I just want to speak to the spirit of fear. And I just want to say that the word of the Lord over your life and over my life is that it's time to build again, is that he is with you every step of the way, is be strong and courageous and watch him open the heavens over your life. Last Sunday night in worship, I felt this prayer rise up within me that we would break up with the limitations we have become accustomed to and that we would fill again with his courage as we step into a new season of freedom. It gets mighty comfortable in the bunker of despair. We make a home in the rubble of disappointment. We hang our pictures and we place our cushions And then what's worse is we start to invite people over to join us in our home of disappointment. Haggai says to the people, guys, watch your ways. Be careful of your ways. Take notice of what's happening here. All this work, all this toiling is amounting to nothing. And I would say to you tonight, be careful of what you become accustomed to. Have you lived in a house that's getting renovated? After a while, you stop seeing the chip paint on the walls. After a while, you stop noticing the things that should have your attention. After a while, we start ignoring and not realising that there's, there's restoration to be done right under our noses. And I want to give you three things tonight as I wrap up. These are three things that I really believe that this word of truth in season through the prophet Haggai, ignited in the people, started in the people, set them on the right course. These are three things that I really believe that God's truth in season affected for these people. Are you ready? Number one, he redirected their desire. He redirected their desire. In verse four, it says, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in panelled houses while his house remains in ruin. As I read through some of the commentaries around this scripture, one of the commentaries said it was really unusual that they'd make reference to the panelling on the houses. And the reason being is that it wasn't a common product for a residential house. And so he suggests that the fact that he's drawing attention to the panelling houses may mean that that panelling was actually meant for the temple and then when the work got shut down, they just redirected it and started building for themselves. And discouragement and disappointment barricades in our lives what's meant to be flowing out and bringing blessing and life and truth to other people. Discouragement and disappointment puts a barricade up and stops what is meant to be flowing. And what stops when something is meant to be flowing and it stops, what happens? It stinks. It gets murky. It gets unclear. And this word of truth in season redirects their desire because discouragement brought the desire inward. And God's word redirects the desire outward. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Growing up, I thought that meant if I'm really good, God will give me everything I want. It doesn't. (laughs) Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desire 
and then he sets about fulfilling those desires because those desires have been found in a heavenly place with him and they're desires that are good not just for you but for everybody around you. That psalm was actually a warning saying, do not envy the riches and the success of evildoers because it has a shelf life. It has a limit. It's going to come to an end. It's going to come crashing down. Delight yourself in me. Delight yourself in relationship with me. I will set within you heavenly desires in your heart. And then I will be faithful to fulfil those desires that I place there because those desires are for the betterment of everyone around you. He redirects their desires. Secondly, he sharpens their discernment. Haggai says, guys, give careful thought to your ways. You're planting and not harvesting. You're drinking and staying thirsty. You're eating and staying hungry. You've got clothes on and you're cold. You're earning money and it's going out the door. Give careful thought to your ways. Somewhere along the line, these guys had lost their discernment. They weren't paying attention to what was happening. What they're doing is not working. And that's something I hate about fear and I hate about anxiety because it cancels out our discernment. Because we stay at this place of panic that we, we lose our ability to sense what the real danger and what the real threats in life are. And the word of the Lord comes and he says, you've exhausted what's valuable on earth. It's time to come to me for your resource. It's time, it's time to connect with me about what I've called you to do and I will be faithful to resource it. He sharpens their discernment. And lastly, tonight he changes their direction. The word of the Lord gave these, these guys direction way beyond the king's favour way beyond the offerings of the people, way beyond the blueprint of the past. And maybe God was trying to get their attention to say, guys, don't just rebuild what was. The guys that were supervising the build were like in their 20s and they would have only heard the stories of the past and maybe they were trying to recreate history. But I love that the work stopped at the foundation stage. Because it's almost like, guys, what God did in the past lays a great foundation, but it's my responsibility to build. It's my responsibility to go to the mountain and have you build in here a place in which you can dwell. They've had the favour of the King, they've had the resource of the people and it's run out. And where does God direct them? He directs them to the mountain. Okay, those that have journeyed before you, those that have fought before you have laid a great, great foundation. Now it's time for you to build. Come to the mountain and get the pattern. Come to the mountain and get the resource. Come to the mountain and get my perspective. Come to the mountain and take with you your, my presence. Come to the mountain and receive the resource for what I am uniquely calling you to build and what He wants to build within here. Come on, let's pray. Father God, I thank You for Your Word and I thank You for the stories of people that have gone before us. 
They lay a great foundation and they they lay a great example. And Father, they face the same challenges that we face as people today. Lord, I pray for every person in this place that has had a moment of incredible disappointment, discouragement, something that has snuffed out the spark and the joy to try again, to build again. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just begin to move in this place and break down those walls that we build within our own heart where what's meant to be flowing through us, what's meant to be life-giving to those around us is being blocked and barricaded by our own discouragement and disappointment. And Lord, I know that healing and restoration is a process. God, would you start a good work tonight? Would you start a good work to every open heart tonight? Spirit, would you start to move just as Haggai said that you stirred up the Spirit within the people. Lord God, would you stir up your Spirit within us? Lord, would you open our eyes and sharpen our discernment? God, as we put our hand to task, Lord, that we would be so aware and awake to listen for your voice, to hear your calling, to hear your instruction to hear as you speak, as you lead and as you guide. And Lord, I pray that your people would go home with these words. It's time to build. Your God is with you. Be strong and courageous and watch Him open the heavens over every life in this place, I would pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.